I'm Lenora, your host for Three Peas in a Pod, Purpose, Pathways, and Perspectives, and I have another great guest today. This guest went from a teenager to a Fortune 500 executive in the world of logistics. You're going to love this story. It's about a lot of steps along the way and the choices people make to succeed and the endurance it takes. And, you know, we hear a lot about how people need to be advocates for others to succeed. And my guest does this. I can personally vouch for that. And then it's about giving back to a lot of other people that need to hear that story. Oh, Wenda, don't mind the office sound that happens at one point along the way. We're just working during a pandemic. And please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let me know your feedback and topics you want to hear. I'm really excited to have the guest that I have on the podcast today, Jose Ubeda, who has an amazing career. And I know him quite well. I have worked for him and he has promoted opportunity for me, supported opportunity for me. And I've watched his leadership. He actually started his career as a 17-year-old in San Francisco. I'm going to have him tell the story because I want young people to hear about his pathway. And then... We'll talk later about how much he gives back to young people as well, because he does a lot of work now uh, in supporting that, as well as all the things he does for his very busy uh, global schedule. So thank you, Jose, for joining the podcast. I'm glad I was invited. I feel honored. This is great. Well, I'm serious. You have, you've uh, done a lot for me. You've made me better. You've pushed me in some ways. I've always been glad, even sometimes after the fact. Um, because I have learned from you in quite a few different ways. And I don't always tell you how that's happened in the last four years, but I've known you longer than that. But would you go ahead and tell the listeners today how the heck you got from a 17-year-old kid in San Francisco to a senior vice president at a Fortune 500 company that has traveled the globe many, many times? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that it's a two-way street. I've learned from you as well. So I think that having a relationship like that with someone that you work with is an important one. And I think that I think we've both grown together. So I think it's uh, it, it, it works and it's meant to work that way. So it wasn't just a one-sided thing. So, you know, I've had that question asked several times about, you know, how in the heck did I get in this role? You know, a, a little bit of is, is luck uh, and a little bit is you really didn't have a choice. You know, I grew up in San Francisco in a family where education wasn't really talked about. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money and um, it was just something you knew that I wasn't going to go to college. And so... I've always been interested in, in working and making money as a young kid. Uh, you know, even before I started working with expediters, I had uh, two paper routes. I worked at a donut shop, at a bakery, oh. uh, at a delicatessen, any way to make turn, earn money so I could sometimes buy my own clothes or just have spending money. Um, and I think that I learned a lot from others about what hard work meant. And mm-hmm. then, you know, when I was in high school, I was really, really fortunate to stumble upon expediters because... Uh, I knew of a person that uh, that their father was at that company. And so I interviewed literally over the phone and I was offered the job and started as a messenger very early on. And, and from that standpoint, Lenora, you know, having good mentors in my life really helped me kind of through my path. And I've held various positions within the organization. So uh, that's kind of well, how talk, it started. Well, yeah, but talk a little about the, how you progressed because you, you said a messenger. So you were running documents around and... Yeah, you know, so... In our logistics space, uh, you know, being a messenger was really that entry-level job, but it taught you about the transport documents that we use, and we would run them up to customs for maybe a customs clearance, 
or we go up to the freight cashier with a steamship line to pick up bills of lading and we we run checks and pay pay the freight cashier for those bills of lading. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that you were learning through that process, but then I gravitated towards operations. I worked in the air operations and then I became a supervisor. And then I had an opportunity to move into sales. I did sales. And by that time I was probably, I don't know, 22 years old and had no idea what sales was all about. But that's, <laughs> they said, here's the keys to your car, go out and get some business. And you just figure things out. Now, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. You used pay phones and pagers. Um, <laughs> I would tease you more, but I'm that age too. Yeah, well, you know, we also had telex machines. That was before fax machines as well. Oh. There, there you go. And so then from there, I, I had the opportunity to uh, take on a manager's job in Seattle and work in Seattle uh, during 91, 92. And then the ultimate job that everybody wants in the company is to become district manager. And I was able to get that job. It was in Detroit. And that's running we, a branch office though. It's yeah, just running a branch office. And then uh, was fortunate to be able to be a regional manager, helping out open up the Northern border offices. So trade between U.S. and Canada. And then I became a regional vice president in 1999 and did that role in two different regions until 2008 or so. I met you somewhere in, well, yeah. shortly after that. Yeah, and keep in mind, as, as, as I'm going through my career path, I started thinking about all the people I, I was blessed and fortunate to meet and what they were able to teach me, you know, because you make mistakes during your path and things just don't always go your way. And you learn from those things, but you know, you, if you have a good mentor, they kind of pick you up and they point you in the right direction. And then after that role of RVP through 2008, I became the senior vice president of our air group, so our global air team here in Seattle. And then I now have a new role, SVP of our digital solutions uh, organization, which is a newly created position within the company. So yeah, it's, that's been 36 years of my life. I just described in a few minutes, but <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, a, there, there's a lot that happened during those 36 years. Yeah, no kidding. And you and you obviously describe it like it was, you know, pretty easy, but that's a lot of hard work. That's a whole lot of hard work and faithfulness. And yeah. And one question, because there's a lot of things we could touch on, but I guess two things. You brought up one is mentorship, how much it matters to have someone else speaking into your life. You're learning from them, they're investing into you, and hopefully vice versa in other ways too. But you mentioned the key there. But I think beyond that too, I've often gotten curious of how do you make a shift? Did you, I mean, did you have a plan to become an executive at a company or how did you make a shift to accept that that's who you were? I've seen people sabotage themselves in my past. I've watched people not let themselves grow into a new role or, I mean, there's all kinds of factors, but how did you make that shift? Was it natural to you or how'd you do that? This is going to sound, I don't know if it's going to sound funny or interesting. I, I don't think I was smart enough to know any better. And what I mean by that, and that's not a bad thing, is that I was really open to everything. And so I don't, I don't think I was naive, but I think because I was always treated well and I, you know, and I felt that if you worked hard, good things would happen. And then you sprinkle in having a mentor and they see your capabilities and, and abilities, they'll help guide you as well. And they'll teach you. And, and I think that's where I was very fortunate to have that. So no, I didn't have a plan, but I think as you get older and you mature, you realize that some of the things you've learned, not only about yourself, about, but also your career, uh, you then figure out that you have some skills here that you can then pass on to somebody else. And I think that's what my mentors did for me as well. Uh, it was really kind of passing the baton, so to speak, while teaching. But no, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan at all. I wish I had a plan, and but it, it worked out. You know, so yeah, not, not really no plan there. I've heard this a few times uh, around our circle, is people had their head down, worked hard, and, and opportunities opened up partly because of the work ethic you showed and the success you did have with what you were given. So if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a quote 
Um, sure. It's by a philosopher, but also a longshoreman. His name was Eric Hopper. And I think it may answer a little bit what I was trying to say about, hey, did you have a plan or how did you do this? And the quote goes, at the core of every true talent, there's an awareness of the difficulties inherent in any achievement. And the confidence that by persist and patience, sometimes worthwhile will be realized. And I think that being patient, being persistent for me was what probably helped. But that quote's always kind of resonated with me because I think the persistence of chasing a worthwhile goal will soon be realized if you put the effort and have the confidence in doing so. But, but it was never a plan, but it was just surrounding yourself with the right people and, and working hard and being smart about it. So clearly you've had endurance. How did you do that? I mean, I'm sure you've seen other people give up and you've thought, oh man, why'd you walk away? Uh, well, so it's just my natural energy, but I think you have to be resilient. You're going to have setbacks in life. You're going to have roadblocks in life. You're going to have defeats and all those things that come with growing. And I think you either decide to take those on and be aware of it and being self-aware and you, you, you improve and use that energy that you have to get beyond maybe where you're kind of stuck rather than just sitting in that kind of vicious cycle of not doing anything. I don't know if that's natural or something that was important to me that maybe you use those setbacks or those defeats or, you know, those roadblocks to kind of get beyond some of the challenges in, in life and in your career. It's what I attribute it to. That's kind of how I look at my world in terms of my growth is that I'm never going to allow something that has happened, whether it was a lost customer or something in my career, maybe I made a mistake or maybe I could have done something a little bit differently or been more effective to actually stop growing. Mm, yeah. And I've definitely seen you make those choices. There's been times where you told me, hey, you're too hard on yourself. And I thought, oh, how nice was that to hear? I've seen you too also um, have an amazing attitude and face challenges with a way that is inspiring. So how'd you get that in you to say, I'm going to keep choosing the right attitude? Well, I think the majority of it is my upbringing. There wasn't a lot of stability in my house. And because I moved out at such a young age, I, I think I mentioned earlier on, you, you really didn't have a choice to mm -hmm. be able to like navigate through. You just, you had to do it. And I think that's what was really rooted with me to say, you got to continue to persevere and go forward. And then the other part, when you, when you work for a company that cares about you, it adds that much more to say, we got to complete this, this game. There's a, there's an end goal, but we're never finished. And I think that kind of drove me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and then again, about 2016 or right around there, is when you decided to take on the lead executive champion, really, of an internal program at Expeditors that helps young people gain opportunity called right. Opportunity Knox. Now, when that came up, why did you make the choice? Because it's not like you weren't busy. Why did you make the choice to take that on? Well, you know, I, I think everyone goes to this where um, you're always thinking about you want to help and you want to be charitable and you want to support. And there's going to be a certain cause that you gravitate towards. Well, the one for me that really kind of settled in with me was trying to help young kids uh, because I, it resonated with me because it reminded me a lot of my life. But I also looked at it from a standpoint of I had reached a point in my career that it wasn't about me anymore. It was about giving back. And I kind of felt that the journey of, you know, mastering certain things in the business world and maybe a little bit in life was I felt pretty good about it. And it was now time for me to give back. And so I think when that happens and it clicks and you make that choice, it doesn't matter what else is going on in your life and how busy you are, because that choice is something that you've decided internally to make and you'll put whatever effort in to make sure you're successful at it. And if it means helping someone else, what a cool gift if you have the opportunity to do that. So for me, it had nothing to do with how busy I was. It was just something that was really important to me 
but part of it was it reminded me of my upbringing and what maybe I've already received. And then I already accomplished a lot in my career and very blessed with that, that, hey, it was time to get back. And so that's kind of where I am in my, in my life today. So I think that time for me was the right time. Now, if it would have been five years prior, I probably don't think I would have put the right emphasis on it because that choice didn't just come naturally. Just I had that aha moment. And once that happened, and then I met you in terms of like, hey, let's do this together. Doing Opportunity Knox was a really cool thing. And thanks to Dan Wall, who, who started the program, you know, we learned a lot from him, but then he allowed us to kind of take the baton and go do something, you know, different with it and grow it. So uh, for me, it was just, it was the right time. It was the right time in my career. And it was a choice that I made that it was time to do this. Yeah. I've just seen you take time for it very much on purpose. I've seen you engage heartily with multiple organizations and just absorb and learn and, and then give back as a guest speaker, as a mentor in many different ways. As you're talking to several organizations, which I know you talk to regularly, mm-hmm. um, what do you think is a piece of advice you can give? Because there's quite a few nonprofits that are trying to help young people, but they're missing a few parts of how to engage well with business. Do you have a couple tips you would give the average nonprofit trying to help kids get opportunity, uh, kind of what to do? Yeah, I, that's an interesting question to me because I mean, obviously you and I have gone gone through this a little bit together, but. I think the reason it's hard to start up is that there's nothing out there to tell you this is the best way to do it. You know, if you're going to help an organization that helps young kids or youth, it's like, where's that manual? And I think part of it is taking the risk of saying, hey, you can learn from someone else. First, mm-hmm. get involved with an organization you're passionate about, learn from them. And if culturally it fits within your company that you work for, introduce it. And then I think as you network, you'll learn how to put a plan together. And as you know, you created something really cool called Opportunity Knocks in a Box that allowed organizations to come to our website of Opportunity Knocks and download a kit, you know, that talked about, hey, this is how you start up. This is what you could do. But I think it's a combination of one, first find the organization you're passionate about, get involved there first as an individual. And if you're so passionate about it that you think your company will embrace it and cult- there's a cultural fit, introduce it. And then continue to network with other organizations because you'll learn that way. That's how I learned. And then when you start b- gaining that momentum and confidence, then you do something like what you had done with Opportunity Knocks and you create that Opportunity Knocks in a box, which was a, a really great thing to download to say, hey, this is how you get started. But I do think that first it starts with the passion as an individual outside of your company where you're just doing it because it, it's the right thing for you to do. And then if you talk about, Hey, how do I introduce my company? Um, that's how I would go about it. And I think that's the advice I would give. But the other thing I would say is don't ever give up on you, what you're feeling because it may take a couple of years to get that going, but just mm-hmm. don't give up. That's something you're passionate about. Yeah. I think it's important to people just to keep taking steps. You're going to get somewhere and it does take some time, but you're learning yourself. And I did see you just absorb and absorb, even though you had in a way that same story, your humility to just learn and get involved and connect all the dots was a really lovely thing to see. Um, Lovely, what a word. But when you're in those times where you're speaking to students, maybe an organization like Europe, you're a guest speaker, you're talking to them. um, What is your favorite thing to share with them? And secondly, have you had your favorite question you've ever received? Okay, I'm going to answer it. No, the, the typical way I answer things is that, you know, I, I do not like speaking about myself. It's a really difficult thing for me because I never want it to be about me. But w- when I do those guest, guest speaking events, I definitely prepare and I have, you know, 
some very similar things I talk about, whether it's resiliency, whether it's mastering your trade, whether it's the near win that I call it, like, hey, coming in seconds not a bad thing. What I love about it is, is the interaction and the interest of the 50 people or so that you're speaking to that also want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they're just looking for that kind of that nugget of advice or that helping hand or kind of pointing in the right direction or just hearing someone's story goes like, oh, it is possible. Just think about it. the majority of the people that are part of these programs, you know, come from a very similar background that I did. And they're just looking for that chance because they're just as smart as anyone else. So what I get out of the guest speaking event when I do those things is that when I get to meet some amazing people, but just their interest and their curiosity and the, and the questions they ask. And sometimes they ask really silly questions because I allow them to. I say, you can just ask me whatever you want. Or they'll ask me a question about, hey, I'm kind of stuck in a particular decision here. And I don't know how to approach it. I just had a particular young lady who called me up from uh, Europe saying, hey, I'm about to end my internship um, and I don't know what my next step should be if I don't get hired. Right. So we talked through that and I had another one call me. I'm going, hey, I'm just about to start my internship. How should I go about it? And to me, those things happen because of the guest speaking, but also because Europe has a platform that says, hey, reach out and network. But for me, it's more about the the connection with the, the young people and just listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gift. And I think what you said towards the beginning too, is, is a lot of times they need to see this example, hear a story. So they go, Oh, I can relate to you. And maybe I can have that too. I think it is shifting that vision upward, the possibility thinking that yes, you can have this. Yes, you, you can get there. Yeah. Um, but that's why I think your story though, it, it isn't about you. It's funny. It's your story, but it's about helping other people see what's possible for them because they can relate to your story. They, they relate to me in various ways, not just because of my story, but whether uh, they see me as a person of color or they see me as a Latin or whatever it may be, right? They see me as a minority and they say, wow, that's possible, right? And I think, I think that what's important about maybe even what's going on today is that those who are successful in life, especially whether you're black, brown or whatever, you have to be able to give back and share your story so others know it is possible. That's another reason why I do it. And I think that's an important part of, of me and my personality and my, my life. So just sharing. And I think that's why there's that connection that resonate with me. It is. It helps people see themselves and hear possibilities. And beyond locally, you also have been over in India. It helped some organizations there, support some things in multiple ways, and were key to why I was able to do the same thing. So I know you've had even a beyond local impact for this. And I know you don't like bragging about it. And it's not something to brag about. It's something you care about. But I guess if I was going to ask a, a final question along this line is for other executives who maybe aren't involved already. And like you said, you kind of said it. You said get to know it, find out if you have a passion. But what are a couple simple ways other executives can do something if they're not already somehow making sure opportunities open for other young people? Um, you know, that's a... That's actually a hard question for me to answer because I still think it comes down to choice. I think it comes down to what you believe and what you have the time to do and invest. And I don't feel that I'm in the right position to say this is what anyone should do. Yeah. I don't want to do should, yeah. but options, something that's not that hard that they can do something. Um, you know, I already talked about, you know, hey, get involved in the local organization that's important to you. You know, and when I say get involved, I mean get involved. I'm not talking about, you know, writing a check. I'm talking about actually getting involved organization and listening and understanding and empathizing what 
people need and then absorbing that and saying, hey, this is something for you. I think that's what to me is getting involved. And I think once you do that, you'll realize that one, you can have impact and that currency of conversation and advice is much greater than uh, dollars and cents in my opinion. And so but I think, you know, it's a choice. And I think people realize that once you do it, the giving back is more about you get to grow as well. The things I get to learn from the young people I get to talk to is a really cool thing. And I think it's kind of a win-win. So get involved in an area that's something that you're passionate about, but start small. Thank you. And one last question. Yep. We're obviously in the middle of a, of, or hopefully not in the middle, hopefully somewhere else besides middle of a pandemic, a situation where it's been very, very challenging for people that are trying to start out and yet feeling like, now what do I do? So because you've been so resilient in your past and you've worked through, I know, difficult things, what's a, a piece of advice you might want to give a young person that says, hey, give them some hope and some encouragement for this, this kind of timing right now? Um, and this is more than just, this is outside of just opportunity youth. It's a setback. Yeah. It's not a defeat. It's not a roadblock. It's a setback. And that realize that we will get through this. And, you know, I know it's easier said than done because mm -hmm. some of the things deal with economics, but it's, it's something that we have to persevere through. I know it's gonna be very difficult for people like, you know, graduating from like Europe or other organizations or Crystal Ray, you know, trying to finish, you know, where do I go from here? And it is going to be difficult. And what I would say is that, Hey, if you can continue your education while there's a jobs available, do that. If you can do internships, do that. Uh, if you can find an organization like Expeditors and do you know, an internship through Opportunity Knox, do that as well. Never stop learning and definitely do not give up because it's, it's a setback. While it's a big one and it's impacting a lot of people, it's, just, it's, a, it's a, time, just a time period that we have to get through. But make no bones about it, it's not going to be easy. But there, there has to be an avenue for them to be able to do the things they want to do. And I think there are companies out there that are still hiring and that are, are willing to bring uh, youth to their programs and I think just find that right thing for you. And, and while it may be temporary for now, uh, realize that some of the things that you decided to make a decision on now, whether it's internship, could turn out to be something really great and, and could be long-term for you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jose. I know, uh, again, you have a whole lot going on and I'm very excited about what, what you're even focused on now for the future because of your creativity and your diligence and it's just, it's just always inspiring for me to watch. So I really appreciate your time very much a gift. And I know you're impacting people more than you think. And I believe uh, this story will help other people as well. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on Three Peas in a Vod. I'm honored and I'm humbled and you know how much I care about you and you're an amazing person and an amazing woman and human being. So keep it going. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening to Three Peas in a Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so we can get you an episode every week. And if you want to download the PDF, the document that Jose mentions during his interview, you can go to web.expeditors.com forward slash opportunity dash knocks. The link will be in the podcast notes as well as a link to the organization called Year Up and Crystal Ray that were mentioned also in the interview. You'll want to check those out if you're a business looking to connect with diverse populations and to help find great talent and help prepare great talent, or if you're a young person looking for solutions and pathways forward. Check them out. 